there's no stop to uh, many attempts to steal personal information, um, particularly financial information, get credit card numbers, social. So, so there's a, the identity theft thing has been around for a long time, and it's it's very persistent. And part of the reason it's persistent is because some of the cyber criminals are selling their services. Uh, so they'll give somebody who knows little a kit right. to use to try and go out and exploit those kinds of things. And it's been around long enough that there's some of those kits out there. And some people sell them for a fee and some say, well, just give me 10% of whatever you happen to win. Another example of the many challenges facing AML professionals, whether they be in the private or public sector, is cybercrime. For many years, conferences, seminars, webinars, articles, and trade publications have covered various aspects of cybersecurity and cyber defense. In this edition of AML Conversations, we add to that resource as AML RightSource Vice Chairman John Byrne sits down with the Director of the Center for Cybersecurity Awareness and Cyber Defense at Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. John spoke with the director, Dr. Thomas Kazmarek, about a number of things, including the importance of partnership between the private and public sector, the skill sets needed to enter this program and similar programs around the country, as well as a number of other hot topics in the cyber area that continue to challenge all of us. Now sit back and enjoy AML Conversations. Tom, thanks for taking the time to sit down with me. The cyber issue for financial crime professionals is interesting on a couple of levels. One is they are typically in the financial crime prevention space. They're typically not the folks that directly deal with the cyber issues. They, they partner with information security within their banks or their fintech firms or what have you. Um, but they, they know enough to be generally aware that it's a major problem. I will tell you that um, we did a, an interview just last week with the head of the criminal division of IRS, and I asked him about the priorities of the IRS. And of course, some of them were typical. It was drug trafficking and human trafficking, but he said cyber uh, cyber issues. Cybersecurity is something that agents are being trained in. So what, what Marquette has created here, I think, is, is valuable on a number of fronts, right? It's, it's valuable not just as a career opportunity, which I want to ask you about, but the more and more um, agents, uh, actors, if you will, in the cybersecurity space, these institutions can be better protected and those that go into law enforcement can assist them. So all of that makes sense. The first question is, I noticed that you have been designated a center of academic excellence in cyber defense education, which is pretty impressive. Tell us how that occurred and then a little, little bit about the organization. Um, and then I want to ask you some follow-up questions on skills and things like that. Yeah, so I, I first became aware of the CAE designation, which is the Center for Academic Excellence, um, because I, I, I work a lot at trying to do workforce development, and I noticed that there were scholarships available to people who go to CAE designated institutes. Um, scholarships are very good because they have a, a stipend plus tuition benefits. Um, so I started looking into it and uh, looked at the, the curriculum that we had here at Marquette and started on a several year journey to analyze our curriculum to see how it lined up against the requirements of that 
cyber defense education uh, criteria. They talk about knowledge units and student outcomes, uh, activities on campus that need to be participation of the faculty and things. Uh, so I looked, started looking at all that and figured out what was it that we had that was a basis for that and began a process of trying to adopt some of our courses that we had to make sure we satisfied those requirements, went through a process of getting recognized on campus as a center. And so in, at Marquette, to be named a center, you have to go through a process uh, that includes the provost office and the president designating you as a center. Uh, so it's a fairly formal process on our campus. Uh, went through that, and then I did the application. Um, but it really came out of that desire to create the workforce uh, and realize that there was tremendous opportunity in this area for people to get those kinds of scholarships if they're willing to put in a couple of years of service at uh, government run security operations. And so um, that's kind of how we got engaged in it. And it, it was a three or four year process to go through it. And we got that designation this just last summer. Uh, I'm headed to uh, a, a meeting next in two weeks uh, to officially be designated such by the National Security Agency and the Department of Homeland Security. So, so the designation, as I uh, quickly looked at it, is for a period of time, right? Is it a five or six year? It's a five-year five year period of time. Period of time, and then there's a renewal process sure. to continue it. Um, we're also looking at extending it to our undergraduates right now. The program that uh, was designated as a master's program, uh, so we have a Masters of Science in Computing, and within that we have a specialization called Information Assurance and Cyber Defense. Uh, we're looking at adding something on the undergraduate level, uh, also strengthening our research posture because there's another designation as a CAE-R, which means you're doing research in uh, areas of cyber defense. So the overall mission of the center, how would you, how would you describe it? Obviously, yeah. it's just so folks know, it's cybersecurity awareness and cyber defense right. are, are the concepts that think generally understood. But how would you characterize the mission of the center? Yeah, and, and the name is, to me, is really important because we're looking at cybersecurity awareness. And under that, we see that there needs to be an awareness of every student of what are the risks in their chosen profession. So if you're in banking, there, there are certain things you need to look out for. But if you're in nursing, you know, there's patient privacy that has to be maintained. If you're in supply chain, you have to guarantee that your supply chain um, isn't providing a entry point for the bad actors the way it did with the target breach that many people are familiar with. So. Um, Everybody needs to be somewhat aware for their personal reasons as well as for their career perspective. And, and so that's the cybersecurity awareness part of it. And then the cyber defense part is we're trying to uh, have students who are 
preparing for a technical career to know what they need to know to be good cyber defenders. And you don't have to be somebody who wants to be a cybersecurity analyst to have to know what it takes to have uh, secure software development. You don't want software out there that you produced that has holes in it that allows attackers to... um, illegally enter systems or steal information or steal money from companies. So um, the idea is to have a very broad appeal across campus, um, but we do have a master's program for people who are preparing for a career. Uh, Because it's a master's program, we kind of focus on things that um, I would say fall into one of seven buckets that have kind of been defined for cyber careers, and it's called uh, oversight and maintain. Um, and, and it's that oversight and governance part of, of cybersecurity that we kind of specialize in. Uh, we want to make sure people understand the technology that's on the network side of things and the technology that's on the application side of things, because uh, that's kind of where the world is being built in this digitization that's happening. Um, we want to make sure that they understand those well enough but that they also understand the the governing principles that sit over all of that um, and and have that broad application across many different industries. We've started to talk a bit about it, but give us a sense of skill sets that if if I'm a undergrad student and I'm thinking about this as a career uh, or possible career, you know, as you just said, there's obviously different aspects of cyber defense and cyber awareness. But what sort of uh, general skill sets are you looking for in in your undergrad programs? And, and obviously, you said the master's program that would be, I assume, somewhat separate. But let's talk first of all to just to get involved in uh, cybersecurity issues uh, as, as a potential career. Yeah. So, so cybersecurity, like many careers these days, is extremely broad. And if you're looking at very technical duties, people who um, do things like threat hunting and uh, response and recovery and forensics. Uh, Basic skills are knowing something about the major operating systems that are being used, programming languages, how data is maintained and how it's housed and retained and protected. Uh, So those are the fairly technical careers. They require those basic skills. Um, But on the other hand, there are people who are more involved in risk management Mm -hmm. uh, and try to understand security from the perspective of of risk management and preparedness. Because if you look at the risks, you can decide, you know, what are my assets that are valuable that I need to protect? How do I protect them? uh, And go through that whole chain of thought which ends with, well, how do I respond? Uh, Because most cybersecurity experts these days feel it's not a question of if you will be breached, it's when. Sure. Um, You know, so you have to have a plan in place to respond, and that starts with understanding how you communicate, who you communicate with, who makes decisions about how to respond. Um, And there are a lot of people who do things like tabletop exercises these days where they just look at, well, suppose this happened, what will we do? And go through those plans that are made. Um, And really that's... that's, uh, 
you know, that's another side of it. And then there are people who just worry about cybersecurity awareness. And that's more of a teaching role, right? To, to teach people about what are the things you need to look for and, and how do we assure that uh, if we teach an employee something about cybersecurity awareness, they actually retain it and practice it. Because uh, those are, you know, typically the weak link in most companies these days has something to do with uh, an employee who makes a mistake or forgets to do something or, or um, the insider threats are even an issue these days. So uh, all of those things are, uh, are important and all those different aspects of a cybersecurity career are important and everybody kind of has to feel for what they enjoy doing and what the what knowledge they need to have to do that. There are um, all kinds of certifications out there right. that um, you can suggest people take. So uh, if you're interested in information system auditing, it's a huge field. Uh, it happens to be a field where there's a lot of openings for jobs and not so many people who have the, the qualifications to do that particular job. Um, and all of those things are different. If you're trying to audit somebody to find out is there some evidence of suspicious activity or are you actually working in the field trying to prevent things to happen with, with technical tools. Very different kinds of roles um, and, and uh, we try to work at some of those within our program. You mentioned you're going to a, a meeting at the NSA. With the designation ha uh, that, it's, uh, as I, I can tell, the NSA and Department of Homeland Security are involved in, in giving you that certificate of excellence, what role do they play going forward? So if you get that designation, is there any assistance that comes? I'm not talking about financial, but just in terms of maybe content or resources from those agencies once you get this designation? Yeah, I was just contacted by somebody in NSA that... Uh, that um, works out of Chicago, and he's coming by to see what what help they can right. provide us. So um, a lot of the work in the government these days goes through NIST, National Institute of Standards and Technology. They have a big effort in, in cybersecurity, and they've done a lot of work in terms of providing frameworks and handbooks and checklists and things that, that companies can use. Um, and so we incorporate that kind of material then into our curriculum so that students who leave are aware of it and perhaps have used it. So I have a, a class last night. We were talking about uh, NIST 800-171, which is one of their special publications that says, here's all the elements that make up a good cybersecurity program. Uh, so we, uh, we, we were going through some of that and, and the handbook that goes with it. Uh, so they provide those kinds of resources. Um, as I said, NIST kind of acts as a funnel for a lot of that information to go to the community. Um, and they've been playing a key role in that for the last four or five years. So students in the program, whether it's the undergrad or the master's program, are, have an eye toward either potential government service, uh, that's one career path, or mm -hmm. obviously a lot of the private sector companies that do information security. So I assume both are potentials. Um, is it too early to tell sort of where students lean, or uh, obviously it depends on the individual and what they want to do, but... Yeah, I think people, people make decisions based on 
all of the job finding decisions sure. that anybody does. And if there's a government job position available and an equivalent job in the private sector, I don't have any both sense. Are, both are potentials. Both are, both sure. are potentials, yeah. and they're both very broad. Right. So there are. Um, we have a former graduate who was working in, for the FBI mm -hmm. on um, incident investigation. Right. Um, we have people who are working for uh, insurance companies that are down doing the, the, the deep, dirty work. Uh, we have other people who are more involved with risk management parts of organizations. And the government has risk management just the way the private industry has it, and non-for-profits have it. Um, there's, there's a lot of variety there, and, and um, I don't have a sense that people are necessarily seeking a job with the government, although some are. Right. Um, you know, they understand that there's certain benefits. I mentioned earlier there is a um, scholarship program uh, that was offered by the federal government. Um, they look for two years of service if you went to school for two years right. uh, under that scholarship. If you went for four years as an undergraduate, they'd expect you to work for them for four years. Um, those programs are attractive sure. um, because uh, going to school is expensive these days and it gives them an opportunity, students an opportunity to get the education they want, pay for the tuition, pay for their living expenses while they're in school. What is the interest level? You have an advisory board from disparate parts of the private sector. What is the interest level outside of Marquette from businesses? And obviously, you know, with this designation, that's a pretty impressive note by the government that this is an important program, but in terms of the partnerships that Marquette has for, for the center, how, how is that working? And you have to name the particular companies. Well, what types of companies are you working with? Yeah, so we established the center about a year before getting the designation, uh, and there was a little bit of a press release about Marquette University forming the center. And I had a number of people who came forward and volunteered to say, how can we help? Uh, and they represented manufacturing sector, healthcare, finance, uh, education, uh, other educational institutions. Um, so it's, it's as, variety, as much variety as we have places where our graduates sure. go to work and get into um, thinking about cybersecurity. And that's an indication that this isn't a technology thing, right? These people are all working in businesses and not necessarily working in technical careers, but aware of their, their company's need to have cybersecurity. And they, they came forward and said, how can we help? So uh, we have had very good representation from government as well as private uh, industry. Um, and... Um, virtually all sectors of businesses that are around the Milwaukee area. And, and, you know, it's, we know what's here. There's a lot of manufacturing. There's sure. quite a few finance businesses. Uh, healthcare is everywhere, but there's a, a number of major healthcare providers in the area. And, and all of those sectors came forward with um, interest in helping. And then as we got designated as a center, their enthusiasm, I think, grew. 
uh, and uh, we've also gotten um, interest from companies that are on the cybersecurity business. Uh, so they provide consultants if there's an incident to do the forensics, figure out what happened, help you do the recovery and response to an incident. Um, determine the, the impact. Uh, so there are there are a number of companies then that I would say are cybersecurity companies and it's also come forward as as an opportunity for them to share their knowledge because generally uh, one of the things that I think dominates this world of cybersecurity is uh, people realize they need to cooperate. Right. Uh, we need to get together and share our, our knowledge to make everyone stronger because, um, you know, there's all kinds of, of bad actors out there trying to, to do harm or um, just accidents that happen as well. I want to take a quick break, but when I come back, I want to talk to you about your experience and ex- expertise and sort of what you see are the big cyber issues today. So we'll be right back. So, Tom, the um, AML financial crime prevention audience, as I mentioned before, they're not experts in um, cyber issues, but they either are part of the team internally that has to file reports with the Treasury or work with information security when there are attacks. And the attacks can be um, you know, just taking all sorts of personal information. They could be identity theft issues uh, that individuals get, you know, credit cards in their names or, um, you know, it, um, insurance they didn't ask for, all sorts of things that are done electronically. So I would put that under the rubric of cyber, mm-hmm. right? Um, based on your experience with your partners and your own experience, what are sort of the hot cyber issues going on today? Obviously, the major breaches we're generally aware of, but in addition to that, and then maybe some suggestions that you've seen from peers and colleagues and yourself about how institutions can do a better job of protecting. You already said working together, sharing information, right. and that clearly that's that's so important. And you and I have talked separately about the banking industry's uh, FSISAC, which is a, right. uh, a great forum to share information in that sector. So working together makes a lot of sense. But first, what do you see are the big issues? Uh, and then you, some suggestions that you have based on things that you're teaching or things that your partners have told you about. Yeah, so uh, there's a lot there. Um, there's no stop to uh, many attempts to steal personal information, um, particularly financial information, get credit card numbers, social. So, so there's a, the identity theft thing has been around for a long time, and it's it's very persistent. And part of the reason it's persistent is because some of the cyber criminals are selling their services. Uh, so they'll give somebody who knows little a kit right. to use to try and go out and exploit those kinds of things. And it's been around long enough that there's some of those kits out there. And some people sell them for a fee, and some say, well, just give me 10% of whatever you happen to win uh, by being a cheat. 
it must work, right? So yeah. they wouldn't keep doing it, even if it's two percent or one percent or whatever. Right. It must work, right? It does, and 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 so that that's an ongoing problem. Then there's also the 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 big breaches that we hear about, like the Target breach, um, and those continue as well. And and the people who pull off those kinds of attacks are far more sophisticated in in what they're doing. Um, people caught in the industry talk about advanced persistent threats, and and they talk about things like the kill chain. So they're get entry into some system that seems uh, why do anybody care about getting in there we don't have any valuable information there but then they'll use that as a pathway uh, to get to other systems that are more significant and the target breach is an example of that it was a uh, HVAC system uh, was being audited in a store they gave a contractor access to some systems and they worked their way into the finance records of, of customers and credit card numbers and things of that nature. So there's, there's uh, those kinds of advanced persistent threats. I think what a lot of people are worried about these days, and DHS is particularly worried about this one, uh, is critical infrastructure areas um, and nation states acting. Uh, so we have things like water and electrical power and transportation industries and manufacturing. And those, those institutions, uh, finance is another one, obviously, need to somehow be protected and be aware. Um, and so people are kind of looking out for that as something that we expect more to be happening in that area. And, you know, there have been some examples of things happening in the voting system. Um, so all of that is, is stuff that's out there looming. Um, the U.S. has been somewhat safe from those kinds of threats, um, but you know, there are other countries and other companies that have been attacked for purposes of uh, national intrusion. Um, there are a lot of threats around stealing intellectual property that uh, people are, are more worried about. Um, but I think the biggest thing that most people can be aware of is you just have to prepare for all of this. Um, and I mentioned earlier that NIST has done a lot of work in this area. They have a standard cybersecurity framework that's fairly simple. It's got five top-level steps, and those get down refined into details. Uh, you know, it's identify your assets, protect them, or detect whether they're being any kind of intrusion, respond to that, and recover. It's, it's pretty high-level advice, but as you look into it in, at every detail, it, 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 it becomes more interesting. Another thing that, another area that um, people are more worried about is this so-called Internet of Things. So people are putting electronic devices in their home that are connected to the Internet. Sure, right. and, and the people who put those things, who built those things, don't necessarily have security as their top user requirement. Uh, when they build those. And so the question is, uh, what kind of exploits will we see based on the fact that I can get into your security camera that you just installed and, and 
trick it or find out when you're not home right. so that I know when I should come around. So there's the, the Internet of Things is a whole new area. And, and we have a faculty member who's doing research on, on uh, those kinds of personal assistants that we use and, and how you might uh, do intrusion into some of the personal robots that people are purchasing and things of that nature. You know, it's interesting when you mentioned it, it just made me think about something that somebody just told me just in the past week. Um, it, it, I'm from Northern Virginia, and this person was working with the transportation department to try to figure out traffic flows. Mm-hmm. And so they were talking to the department, and they said, well, how, how are you determining high levels versus low levels and all of that? They said, well, we can't tell just yet individual cars, but what we can tell, if there's Bluetooth technology in the cars, we know the numbers that have gone through a particular area, yeah. which I find fast to your, to your point about the Internet of Things. So that's that's not why that was designed, but right. almost all new cars have Bluetooth technology, right. and that can be tracked. Right. And that wasn't the reason for Bluetooth right. technology. So that's that's a perfect example of what you're talking yeah, about. And cell phones, and sure. you know, there's there's uh, there was one incident that uh, occurred 18 months ago, where there was a pet you could buy for your child, and it had a audio and video cameras. Uh, inside of it so that you could kind of, if you were on the road traveling, you could kind of talk to your your young child because it was this little pet you could put. Well, somebody hacked into that system and found out who was traveling and what 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 kind of conversations they were having with their children and things of that nature. And, you know, that's a personal intrusion of my space, but it's also a threat to do something more. Isn't it interesting, though, we, and we always like to say it's the millennials and younger that do this, but there's so many folks that don't mind putting all their information on LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook, and yet obviously get very uh, annoyed when their information gets compromised, so it's not a surprise. So having said that, how, how do you sort of force awareness to say on the one hand, okay, you're getting some value for getting all these emails on products. And the, the first time this sort of struck me, and I, I'm, you're sure, I'm sure you're well aware of this, if you were on Gmail and you're, you're sending a note to somebody and in the text you're saying, you know, I, you know, I love Saturdays because, you know, whatever. Yeah. You use the word love, you would see ads for Valentine's stuff on yeah. the right-hand side. And we sort of now accept that as, as common practice. So, so the question is more, that's already a given that that's all happening, like you said. You're getting this, uh, you're buying products that capture information. How do you make those and all of us aware that, you know, you still have to be careful even though you've allowed people to know more about you than they would have 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah, and that's a personal decision. And we, four years ago, ran our first symposium on the ethics of big data, which dealt a lot with the privacy issue. And there's also questions about, gee, is it is it ethical to build certain kinds of things? For example, you, you mentioned that email and getting a pop-up. Yep. So I carry around my cell phone, I use my credit card, and I do research for a product on the internet. So 
somebody looks at those three databases and they say, oh, well, this person was at Home Depot last Saturday. They bought a, somebody at Home Depot at that same time purchased this kind of product. And this person who had that cell phone um, was researching that kind of product. Maybe this, this is the person who actually purchased that product. Even though all the credit card data has been anonymized, all three of those data sources have been anonymized so that you shouldn't be able to figure out who did them. But we can build algorithms that are smart enough to search across those and figure out, oh, that person bought that product. And, and so the question is, is there a value or not? Well, most of the time we say, yes, it is a value. Uh, there are some people who are sensitive about what products they purchase uh, and where they've been. So you have to make a lot of personal decisions. And... Um, you know, the government tries to do some stuff in terms of protecting your privacy. Uh, so we have the new law in California. We had the European uh, General Data Protection Regulation last year. Um, but but there's a there is a um, international celebration. January 28th every year is International Data Privacy Day. And the idea is just look into all that stuff and figure out, well, what do you want to share with whom? Um, you know, uh, cell phones are particularly egregious for this. They, they want to know everything. They want access to your contacts. They want access to your GPS. They want access to your phone book, uh, your phone records. They want to be able to make phone calls. Um, all of that, if you think about all the power you're giving away, um, that's pretty scary if you figure that you might be the point of an attack. Um, and, and lots of people say, well, who am I? They're not going to attack me. But sometimes you get attacked. Sure. And the percentages are, are in the favor of the criminals, right? So they, yeah. even if it's a, f a few people that don't have a lot of funds, they'll put credit cards in your name, they could drain your accounts, all that. And we all know how difficult it is. I, I will say this about the banking industry. They're pretty good about once you've been compromised, because I think we've all had it happen. I know I have. Yeah. And they're very quick to fix issues. But the laws are sort of all over the place. Your debit card that drains your checking account, not so easy to get those funds back. Credit cards, they can reverse the charges and do some of, some of that and fix some of that. And I've had a couple of instances with different institutions that have acted very quickly. But some of the laws on the books don't. So this goes back to your original point yeah. about being aware. It may be great to get coupons and discounts and all of that and ads for things before others get them. But there's a price to be paid, right? Right. Absolutely, and and we should just be all aware of aware of all of that and make conscious decisions about what we're sharing with who and and uh, try to avoid things that we consider too risky. I'll get you out of here on this. Uh, the the center obviously is uh, up and running now. You got the designation. Where do you see? Um, w w what's your goal in the next? Just say the next five years. What do you want to see the center uh, both continue to do and perhaps expand and, and and do some other things? Yeah. Well, 
we pledged to reach out to the whole campus. And so we're kind of starting with other technical programs on campus, but we want to reach out to the banking community and the supply chain people in the business, and we want to talk to the people in social justice and, and, and that part of and nursing. We, we want to do that. So that's, that's a, an important aspiration is to really have a little bit about cybersecurity education. Everywhere. In, yeah. in every professional sure. degree program. Yeah. And, and by and large, people go to college to get a job in a particular area. Um, what do they need to know? So I think that's one. I'd like to see us have a more formal program at an undergraduate level. Uh, and I guess the third thing would be enhance our research presence. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a couple faculty who, who work in this area. We'd like to increase that. And as we draw more students in the program, we can have more faculty and do, do, do more research. Um, and then just draw more students. Uh, that's been, I've, I've been at Marquette for about eight years after retiring from from a manufacturing position, and and my goal has always been to do workforce development, mm -hmm. um, and, and so getting more students into well-paying careers in this area um, is a matter of national emergency almost. Um, so. You know, I was contacted by DHS four years ago when I started down this path, and the the um, the regional director of DHS services for five states or something like that contacted me and said, "Hey, what are you guys doing in cybersecurity?" So there's there's really a need to fill all of the the jobs that exist, but also make everybody else aware of of the issues that they need to to um, pay attention to. And so those are kind of the aspirations grow the program. We we do a number of community programs. Um, I'd like to see those grow, right. um, but you know we get 75, 80 people at a meeting, um, which I think is a pretty good turnout because they're typically focused on one topic or another, and and uh, I'd like to see that grow as well. Uh, certainly sustain all of that we're doing, uh, and and uh, those those other areas I think are where I'd like to see the center going. Well, Tom, thanks so much for uh, talking to me today. Good luck with the center. It's it's very exciting what you folks are doing, and as you say, it is not just a national; it's a global emergency that we all get better with cyber. And hopefully, this will not only increase awareness in general, but for the students that come out of this program, they're going to be able to make a difference whether they go into government or into the private sector. And you'll have had a big hand in making sure that is that has happened. Yeah, and. and, and I think every Marquette student ought to leave campus smarter about cybersecurity than they came in. Makes sense. It's not just the ones who are seeking a career, but everybody. Right. Yeah. I'm always impressed whenever I have the opportunity to discuss with those that are working to educate and train the next generation of professionals that work in financial crime prevention in some fashion, uh, that um, commitment, that passion, you know, trying to make sure that that generation continues what hopefully has begun in terms of partnership, collaboration, communication, all those things that we all know that are so important. The Marquette University program, while fairly new, obviously continues that process, if you will, of 
looking to the next generation and saying, we need your help. We need you to be part of this. When I went on the website, and for those of you that want more information about uh, Tom's program, go to marquette.edu backslash cyber security. And there's information there. But one of the postings on the website talks about cybersecurity awareness requires leadership. And, you know, Tom mentioned that throughout the conversation, the importance of making sure that all students and obviously all members of society have some understanding of cybersecurity issues. And quoting briefly from the website, Cybersecurity is a question of leadership and awareness, and it's a responsibility of leaders. Most of all successes are the result of a proper combination of people, process, and technology. And cybersecurity awareness focuses on reducing inadvertent behavior that leads to failure of the security system. But in layman's terms, the more we're aware, the more we can protect ourselves, our families, our businesses, our institutions. And, uh, you know, we've talked before about other programs, uh, programs where students have engaged with local law enforcement uh, to work on cases. We have uh, uh, talked to uh, global leaders that have similar programs outside the United States. And so it's really important in our field that in addition to doing our jobs, that we carry and make sure we can carry, again, the passion and commitment that we have to the next generation of individuals. So hopefully uh, you've learned a little bit, not just about the academic program today, but more importantly, that there are um, committed leaders. But one of the things I think that Tom has said that resonates with all of us, not beyond cybersecurity, but just being aware, being aware of your surroundings, being aware of that there's bad folks out there. Let's face it, bad people, criminals, organized criminals, individual criminals, and one way to protect each other is to simply be aware. And we know in our space, it's follow the money, follow the information. And I think uh, the more people that we can train to have that awareness, the better off we'll be. I want to thank uh, Tom Kaczmarek for taking time out of his day to talk to us. Again, for more information, go to Marquette's website. There are a number of other similar centers in other states around the country. So if you um, are in an additional or in a different area and want to see what's going on in terms of cyber and perhaps have some of your staff uh, be encouraged to take programs there, that information is uh, should be readily available. This is John Byrne for AML Conversations. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.